This is Sports Nightly. The triangle formation of the near side. J.D. split out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's in. That's a two-point play for Nebraska. And they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Wednesday night, Sports Nightly. We're that much closer to the start of the Big Ten football season. Huskers at Ohio State on Saturday. It was a media blackout day today. Meaning that there was nobody made available for us to talk to today. That'll change tomorrow. The head coach will meet with the media after the Thursday practice. That's going to be normal. And tomorrow night, we'll have our third Husker football coaches radio show. Hour number two of Sports Nightly tomorrow. Offensive line coach and run game coordinator Greg Austin will be here. Always fascinated to talk about the offensive line, and Husker fans love to talk about the offensive line. So we'll get into that tomorrow night with Coach Austin. So not really anything new to report today because of no media availability, but that's the way it's going to be. Monday we'll have the press conference day with some players available. Tuesday they'll usually make one of the coordinators available with some other coaches. Wednesday, shutdown day. Thursday the head coach comes out and kind of wraps up the week as the team gets ready to go. They will be flying to Columbus on Friday, spending the night getting up early, heading to the stadium for the noon kickoff Eastern time, 11 o'clock Central time for the Huskers and the Buckeyes. Our pregame begins bright and early i don't know that it's bright though it's not bright at 6 a.m it's so dark and early dark and early is what we'll get going with the opening drive jeremiah searles will join me for that look forward to being with you at 6 a.m on saturday morning Uh, as josh mentioned in his ticker husker baseball is wrapping up their fall ball the red-white series uh, it began today, or red-black is maybe what they're called. The black won 7 nothing today. They will wrap up their fall campaign on Friday with uh, games today, tomorrow, and Friday. Might be a little wet tomorrow as there's a lot of rain in the forecast, but Will Bold about to put a cap on the fall season. I think it's been very successful for them. Some really talented young guys that are going to make an impact on this team in the spring when their season gets going. We'll get more of Ben's observations. He was on the call for that scrimmage this afternoon out at Haymarket Park. We'll get some more of his thoughts coming up a little bit later on in the show. I think the biggest news of the day, Josh, is Pat Chambers at Penn State stepping down five weeks from the start of the season. And he put out the statement that said, I need a year, I need to recharge my batteries, I need a break to reset, chart a new path forward, so I'm going to step back to prepare myself for the next 20 years of my life. Um, and then he put out a statement celebrating all the team's accomplishments, and I think he did a good job at Penn State in his tenure there. He really brought in some good, talented players. They were going to be an NCAA tournament team this past March, had the tournament not been canceled because of covid but there were there were issues. There were allegations coming out about him verbally abusing players, uh, not treating the African American players as well as the the white players on the team. And so Penn State was conducting an investigation, and I think that this got to a boiling point where I think he was in. I, have, I don't have any proof. I'm not getting anybody on, but my gut tells me, Josh that he was kind of encouraged to step aside. Why else do you do that five weeks out? Right. The timing of it makes you definitely think that way. There's no doubt about that. Like, 
like you said, the doing that five weeks before a season, it, it just doesn't make sense for you to all of a sudden realize, you know what, I need to take a break from the game, from coaching. Like, I, I feel like that's something that you think about in the spring after the season's over. So I, I definitely think that that is the reason why. And so you've seen that play out so many different times in coaching before is instead of outright firing a coach, you're basically forced into a resignation to, I don't know, maybe just save a little bit of face for both the school and for the coach, make it seem a little bit um, more cordial. But yeah, the, the investigation and some of the things, the allegations that are coming out of it do not sound good. It's not a good look for, for Patrick Chambers. And you and I were talking before the show, he's a guy that, you know, he seemed like a guy that you could respect as a coach he built that program from the ground up basically took them from not being very good at all and then had a great season three years ago uh where they were nit champions and then this year like you said they were going to be in the ncaa tournament for the first time in his uh coaching tenure at penn state so yeah it's you never want to see it and especially it's it's hard when it's somebody like that where you think that it's a guy that you know I, I felt like he was a guy that you could respect but if these allegations are true then that's not really the case right and, and I think Penn State's trying to get out in front of this they then and my uh, my loser of the week last Friday was was Greg Marshall at Wichita State yeah the, who's just got horrendous oh, allegations yeah. and they have not yet moved him out out the door he's got to be gone I, I don't think that Pat Chambers was anywhere near that stratosphere I think he I think there were some issues yes there were some things that have popped up. I, I think he was a pretty popular guy among the coaches in the league. I know that Tim Miles really got along well with Pat Chambers. Doc Sadler uh, got along well with him the one year that Doc was Nebraska's coach when the, Nebraska just joined the Big Ten. I don't know that Fred Hoiberg's pass crossed with Pat a lot, so I don't know that, that Coach Hoiberg has a lot to say about him. But if these are true, and, and we're in a day and age that these colleges can't can't take too many risks and Sandy Barber the athletic director for Penn State made the comment that while this is a difficult day this is a good day for us moving forward well that, that that's there's a lot in that I mean that's a loaded comment that yeah. okay uh this is where we needed to go with this thing and we needed Pat Chambers to step down and we move on to Jimmy Ferry who's going to be their interim coach going into this season but um interesting move and when I look back at Pat Chambers Josh and the time that he was there, I think he did a pretty good job because basketball is is by far in the back of most people's most Penn State fans' minds. You've been there. Mm-hmm. You've been to that arena. Yeah. It's a big time arena. They curtain off the upper deck because they never get crowds there. So it's it's hard. It's in Western Pennsylvania. So trying to get kids from Philadelphia or New York to come out there, they're a very remote location. It's not it's not a big city school by any stretch of the imagination. I think for the most part, he did a pretty good job of upgrading the talent in a place that really doesn't care that much about basketball. Yeah, they have really very, very little basketball tradition there. And like you said, they have a giant arena that they barely have anybody in the stands at. So uh, obviously they football is king there, and they, everybody love, you know cares about football, and they fill that stadium, one of the biggest stadiums in the country. But they, basketball is, is tough, and they, they really went through some difficult years at the beginning of his coaching career, and he really, really slowly – started to bring them back or started to bring them to where they were competitive in the Big Ten and as I mentioned a couple years ago they had a great record won 26 games and then this past season had another solid team so I I, he you know 
I I'll say this. I think that he he did a a good job with with what he had and and you mentioned comparing him to Greg Greg Marshall. I think that the one thing that you can commend him for is that it you know maybe whereas Greg Marshall is just kind of hanging on there and he thinks he's going to fight this even though the allegations in his situation are Ooh. a lot worse. You, you can commend uh, Coach. Chambers for stepping down and just kind of getting, you know, I guess Penn State kind of got out in front of it too, but for, you know, not fighting it, for being like seeing the situation as it is and being like, okay, I'll step aside and kind of take inventory of things, even though, you know, maybe he didn't completely tell the whole story. He kind of said that, you know, I'm tired and doing this for my family and all that, which is probably only partially true. So yeah, yeah, there's obviously some, some different things that you need to look at there, but overall, if you just look at his career and the record and what he did with the program when it started to where it is now, you know, you, you look at the results and you can say he did a pretty good job. Yeah. And, and no, it, they'll move on. Uh, I think this, this helps Nebraska, to be honest with you, because you need programs. And if you're Fred Hoiberg, you're sitting there going, okay, we, we are probably program 13 or 14 in this conference. We've got to find teams and programs to jump. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's one now. You can go jump Penn State, I think, in a, in a big hurry and, and start climbing up the ladder uh, of this Big Ten Conference, which is a monster on the hardwood, as good as this league has been. That's a program I think Nebraska can jump over in a hurry with yeah. Coach Hoiberg. There's a couple other ones that I think that too, but now with this happening and their their state, I think this is a this is a gettable program for Nebraska to, to leapfrog. Right, and while I mentioned that in the early years, they had a tough go of things, and that was kind of when Nebraska was at its peak you know they were going to the NCAA tournament and they were winning quite a few games under coach miles and they they were Penn State was a team that you're like if they were on the schedule twice you figured that you could beat them twice and so the Huskers need to find more teams like that they need to get and a lot of it obviously is just improving your team to the point where you are better than than other squads but you know also it it kind of helps a little bit in a, in a league like the Big Ten, which is just so, so good, so competitive, a lot of great teams in the league. To have a team like this maybe fall off for a couple of years and help you get a few wins here and there just so that as you're making your way through the rugged schedule of the Big Ten Conference that you can you know, maybe have a, a game where you win a little bit more easily and you, know, you don't have to just be in a, a, just a fight the, the, entire, the entire night. So, yeah, that's... Uh, you you don't want to say that you you're cheering for other teams to have issues like this, but <laughs> it's also something. Well, you know, you'll take it. It's some. It, it's not a bad thing for the Huskers if if Penn State has a few down years for a little bit here. It's reality. You've got to find programs you can get over the top of to move up the ladder in any sport, whether it's football, men's basketball, baseball, volleyball, whatever the case may be. And so some chaos at Penn State, sure. it's a good thing for Nebraska. And, boy, I think back, Josh, over the last five, six years of Husker hoops, and we have had some really disappointing performances at Penn State. You've been on hand for some yeah. of those. You've been on the board for some of those where you're like, yeah, we really need to win this game tonight and just go out and play terrible. Right. And some of that's just because of the environment. And I'm just trying to paint this picture for everybody. It's a big arena, very few fans there. It's very sterile. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of atmosphere. It's, it's hard to get yourself motivated. And in yeah. some ways, you go in there and you sleepwalk, yes. and they beat you. And that's kind of what's happened in Nebraska down down through the years yeah it's, it's a sleepy environment that's the best way to put it and it's like I mean it's 
maybe even a little bit bigger than PBA, but imagine Pinnacle Bank Arena, big, uh, you know, venue arena like that, where you have only a couple thousand fans in there and they're not loud. They're just kind of sitting there like, you know, it feels like 8 a.m. in the morning and they're just kind of sitting there watching the game. They don't really get up and cheer for anything. So (laughs) you're basically you're basically not playing in front of a crowd at all. And granted, I've I've only made the trip there once for a basketball game, but I've watched enough games on TV, too, that I know that that's they they really don't draw hardly at all for for games there. So and maybe that would have started to change if they had made the NCAA tournament this year and continued rising up and and getting their program better. But it's I think that right now, if I look at it, even you know next year if things are back to normal and there are fans in the stands, I can't I can't see them you know having great great crowds just going you know going back to that so i think that yeah i I would not be surprised if they're kind of down for a couple years right well that's that's really the biggest story of the afternoon was the was the pat chamber resignation so that's what we wanted to lead off with it but we i am so excited for tonight because after months of being away the big 10 blitz is coming back we're going to check in with what's happening and preview the games that involve michigan purdue and indiana for the weekend that's coming up here in a couple of minutes michigan plays at minnesota the saturday night game game day is going to be in minneapolis to preview that game saturday morning that's a monster game purdue hosts iowa that's a huge game for the big 10 west we'll get mike carmen's take on what kind of camp purdue has had they're going to have to play that game without their head coach as coach Brom has tested positive for COVID-19. He will not be on the sidelines. His son will actually be calling the plays for Purdue and will be the acting head coach for the Boilermakers. We'll get an update on that. And then Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is going to join us. He covers Indiana. The Hoosiers host Penn State. Penn State ranked in the top 10, and yet Penn State's only a six-and-a-half point favorite in this game. I like what I see from Indiana. I like what I saw from them. I didn't like the fact that they beat the Huskers last year, but I knew that was going to be a really difficult game. They've done some really good things under Coach Allen at Indiana, so we'll get a preview of that. So that's coming up here in a few minutes. Hour number two, Mitch Sherman of the Athletic covers Husker football. Will join us. We'll get his take about Nebraska on the cusp of starting the season. What does he like? What concerns does he have? What's he think of this matchup coming up this weekend against the nationally ranked Buckeyes? All that with Mitch coming up in hour number two. Lane Grindle will be here in the second hour. Our Major League Baseball insider. The World Series got underway last night. The Dodgers were impressive. So was Clayton Kershaw. They went eight to three to uh, grab a 1-0 series lead. They now have won four straight playoff games after winning games five, six, and seven to beat the Braves in the National League Championship Series. So the Dodgers are on fire. Can the Rays even that thing up tonight? We'll get Lane's take on that coming up in hour number two. Buy, sell will be headed your way in the third hour. We'll see how the guys did with some questions from the last week, and we'll fire some new ones out as well. There's still time to join the over 4,000 Husker fans who have already secured their spot in the Sea of Red sellout inside Memorial Stadium. The deadline to submit your photo for the Wisconsin game coming up on Monday the 26th. Sea of Red sellout presented by First National Bank of Omaha. It's the official bank of Husker Nation. For more details and information, go visit huskers.com backslash Sea of Red sellout. Oh, I'm excited tonight because it's the return of one of my favorite parts of our show each year. It's the Big Ten Blitz. Let's do it. The Big Ten Blitz. Michigan. 
Let's talk about the Wolverines. And here to do that is Angelique Shingados from the Detroit News, Michigan on the road in week one to take on the Gophers of Minnesota Saturday night. What? Uh, give me a couple of storylines out of camp. What, what have been some of the buzz things for Michigan as they prepare for the opener? Well, the biggest one, I think, is Joe Milton, the quarterback, Greg. I mean, I, I, you know, he's a guy that everybody thinks that there's tremendous upside. And listening to his teammates talk this week, you're hearing a lot of comparisons to NFL quarterbacks. And even Nico Collins, who, who opted out, is calling him a Cam Newton type of quarterback. So I, I think that's pretty um, it's setting the bar very high. But I think it's making people really want to see what he's all about and and, you know, is this arm as strong as everyone says it is? Is, it, is he accurate? Has he developed touch? And, and I think that he's probably the biggest storyline. And, and also it's these new corners. I mean, they had to replace Lavert Hill and Ambry Thomas, who opted out. Lavert's already in the NFL. And uh, whether these two guys can, can stand up to the pressure that they'll probably get from, uh, from Bateman uh, on Saturday night. Let's keep it on the offense for a minute. How much do they miss Nico Collins with his decision not to play this year? Well, I was really looking forward to seeing him play this year. He was a guy that I think everybody agrees was underused last year. He was a big body. I mean, just this, you know, he was, he came back. He could have opted out. He came back because he wanted to play this fall and, and get better. So they will miss his, his matchup problem that he gave defensive backs. And, and, but I think that they like the, the speed that they have. This is a shorter group. I mean, there are a couple guys with some size, but but generally speaking, this is a smaller group of, of receivers, but they're very fast. And, I, you know, I think you're going to look at guys like Ronnie Bell, who was the leading receiver last year. He's back. And, and there's a group of, of sophomores, uh, Cornelius Johnson and, and Giles Jackson and, and Mike Sanderson, who I think are really going to be re- relied upon a lot this, this fall. All right, let's get into this matchup. I mean, this is two ranked teams going at it. Michigan's favored, road favorite in this game. What 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 decides this as you break this thing down? Well, I, I think it's really going to be uh, – I think this is going to be on Michigan's defense because I think that there's still, as much as everyone's talking up and, and maybe hyping, over-hyping uh, some of these guys on, on offense, particularly Joe Milton, I, I think that the – I think it's fair to say that Michigan's strength is its defense and, and particularly the front seven – and uh, I think it's really going to be how this defensive line matches up against a, a pretty beefy Minnesota offensive line and, and if they can get after them. And uh, to me, this, this defense will be the tone setter of this team, not just Saturday night, but the rest of this, this season. And it starts there, at least from, from my perspective. And uh, I think that's going to be the most important matchup, is, is this, particularly the, 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 uh, the defensive line with Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. I think those guys have a lot to prove. And uh, they want to show how much they've improved. How much will the weather be a factor for this one? <laughs> Gosh, I'm glad I'm not going to be out there. I mean, it, it, they've got about seven inches of snow, I, th- uh-huh. I think, Tuesday night. And uh, it's going to be cold. I mean, it looks like it's going to be high 20s. And, um, you know, I, I can remember the, the coldest I've ever been. And I'm not on the field. I'm in the press box with no heat. was at Wisconsin in 1997 when Michigan was in that middle of that, that, um, that march to an undefeated season. And it was freezing. And, but, again, it's one of those things where the offensive linemen set the tone and they didn't come out with sleeves on. They wanted to show how tough they were. And I think it's going to be a little bit of that bravado 
Saturday night, but it's going to be tough. I mean, they're not expecting snow again until Sunday, so they should be good on on that front. But um, but boy, you know, starting a, your Big Ten opener, you're, you're the, the start of the season. It's going to be 27 degrees. It's crazy. Sure is. Michigan at Minnesota Saturday night in prime time on ABC. Angelique Shingetis. As always, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Purdue. Let's talk about the Boilermakers. They host Iowa Saturday afternoon. Mike Carmen from the Journal Courier joins us now. How's the coach? Is he definitely out for Saturday? Yeah, he won't be on the sidelines. Uh, he'll be uh, isolating at home. Uh, but the only question now, they Purdue did file an appeal to try to set up some sort of phone communication, but that that likely won't won't play out. I don't see the uh, I don't see the powers that make that decision allowing. Uh, allowing that to happen, especially if they were not going to allow it to happen with Nick Saban. I don't think they're going to allow it to happen with Jeff Brown. So give me the mechanics of this. Who 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 takes over these duties on the sideline? Well, uh, Jeff's younger brother, Brian, is the co-offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. He'll be calling the plays and um, acting as the head coach. So he'll make all the decisions and all the play calling. Uh, he'll just take Jeff's place and uh, things will, will run from there. Brian has not called plays in a game uh, before, but he is a former quarterback uh, at high school at Trinity in Louisville, played for the hometown Cardinals, and uh, played uh, played some seasons in the NFL. So I think he knows how to call a game. It's just it's different when you're the play caller trying to get in a rhythm and figuring out what's going on because everything comes at you so quickly. Mike, who takes that first snap at center for the Boilermakers? Well, they haven't uh, they haven't announced it yet. Uh, it was a three man race. I think it's a two man race to, as far as the starter goes between uh, Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell. Uh, Nebraska fans know that O'Connell Welcome. came in yeah. uh, last year and led Purdue on the game winning drive uh, to beat Nebraska. And Plummer uh, broke his ankle in that game. So mm-hmm. I thought I thought Jack Plummer had started to hit his stride after taking over for Elijah Sindelar in that Nebraska game, but unfortunately got hurt. But I thought Aiden O'Connell came in the rest of the, not only that game, but the rest of the season and played with a lot of composure. Uh, O'Connell probably has the better arm of the three. Um, and if you're going to push the ball down the field with the receivers that they have, he might be the best bet at least to start. But I wouldn't be surprised uh, whether it's Saturday or at some point this season that we see uh, multiple quarterbacks uh, for Purdue. Okay, Hawkeyes favored by three. What, what's what's the keys to this one from the Purdue perspective? Well, anytime you play Iowa, you got to stop the run, and that's something that Purdue has struggled with in the past. Um, and you, they're going to have to try to rattle the new quarterback. I mean, uh, Iowa's got a lot of lot of veterans coming back on that offensive line, at the receiver position, at the running back spot, but they're you know, they're newcomers at quarterback. You know, try to get him in second and third and long situations, rattle him a little bit, get some pressure, something Purdue didn't do a whole lot of last year. And then offensively, uh, Purdue's had success against Iowa, pushing the ball down the field and trying to find the weak link in the secondary and uh, hitting, hitting some home runs. And, I, I, you know, I think that'll be the game plan again. And Purdue's got to uh, figure out a way defensively. They've got three new coaches on the defensive staff, including Bob Diaco, to really limit the big plays 
um, come come Saturday because that was a big sore point last year for Purdue. I'm excited to see Karloftis go up against those tackles for Iowa. I think that'll be a fun in-game battle to watch, don't you think? Yeah, it will be, and it's interesting. And, you know, George has done it. Uh, now he wouldn't have done it last year, but uh, one of the tackles from Iowa is Coy Cronk, who played mm-hmm. his high school ball here in Lafayette and is a grad transfer from Indiana. And I'm not, I can't be 100% certain, but George and Coy would have been on the same <laughs> high school field in 2015 when they uh, when West Lafayette played Lafayette Central Catholic. Oh, that'll be fun. 2.30 uh, Saturday on BTN, Iowa and Purdue. Mike Carmen of the Journal Courier. Mike, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Indiana. And here to talk to us about the Hoosiers, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Indiana to open the season on Saturday, hosting the Penn State Nittany Lions. Zach, what's the what's been some of the buzz coming out of the workouts leading up to the opening game of the year? Well, you know, I think um, certainly what you'd imagine, the excitement, the anticipation, everybody just feeling good about having football back again in a really tangible way. Um, you know, I think I think obviously everybody understanding that this season is going to be different. You know, you're not going to get the, the cushion of a non-conference schedule. There's no bye weeks. Obviously, of course, you know, all the sort of strict attention to COVID protocols and things like that so you don't derail your season at all. Um, and for Indiana, you know, I mean, maybe the toughest schedule in the conference, certainly at least at the top end, uh, because you get the big four in the East plus Wisconsin on the road. Um, but all that being said, you know, I think Indiana feels good as a, as a team that's got, you know, starters returning at quarterback, running back, both tackles, top three receivers, starting center, you know, across, almost across the board, really, on defense in terms of returning starters. I think Indiana feels good as a team about basically just not having lost, you know, sort of the institutional knowledge that you may have to replace on the fly in a season like this. Um, you know, what that means, again, against a difficult schedule, we'll see. But I think Indiana at very least feels like, hey, you know, we're best positioned to try and kind of hit the ground moving at 90 miles an hour here. This difficult schedule does start on Saturday, hosting eighth-ranked Penn State. Size this matchup up for us. What are some of the things that stick out to you that the Hoosiers will need to do to win? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I think there's, there's going to be, for a, a couple of reasons, a lot of sort of Penn State offense, IU defense chat, number one. Um, you know, Penn, Indiana played Penn State pretty tough in Happy Valley last year, but but really, if you kind of go back and watch that game, you can. It's not hard to spot the plays and the moments where Indiana lost that game. Um, and of course, you know, Penn State's without KJ Hamler and so forth. But they've got Sean Clifford back. They feel really good about their offensive line. Then suddenly you throw in this wrinkle of Journey Brown, but there are a lot of people in State College who feel like the guys behind Journey Brown were, were perfectly capable of stepping in for him. Um, I think Noah Kane is, is, is one that they have pretty high expectations for at this point. And you've got an Indiana defense that returns just about everybody, save Marcelino Ball, who tore his ACL uh, a couple weeks ago and will be out for the season. So I think it's, it's kind of hard to get away from just wondering the degree to which Indiana's defense facing an offensive coordinator that gave Indiana some real problems when he was with Minnesota a couple years ago can kind of get Penn State under control early 
because I, I I would have to expect, you know, even as, as much as everyone has confidence in Nick Sheridan, Indiana's offensive coordinator in his first first game in that job. He's been with IU for three years. Um, and as much as everyone has confidence in what IU returns offensively, I, I would have to expect it will take just a little while for Indiana's offense to really kind of find its stride against a good team at Penn State. So I, for me, it feels like the, the, the sort of chess match on offense, which has a couple new wrinkles now with ball out, with Brown out, um, you know, maybe with some questions to answer at wide receiver, but obviously one of the best tight ends in the country in Pat Fryermuth. I really wonder if that's going to be kind of the matchup that sets the, the early terms of this game. And if Indiana is going to upset Penn State, um, and of course it's going to be very difficult, but if they are going to do that, then they've got to be the ones controlling kind of the, the tempo and the flow of the game early on, that they can't let Penn State come out roaring. Um, because I'm just, it's possible Indiana's offense can match that, but I don't think you want to have to count on that, given you're breaking in a new OC, didn't get spring ball, didn't get non-conference needs to, to, you know, kind of find his feet very quickly. Should be a good one. 2.30 on Saturday on FS1. IU hosts Penn State, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Stars. Zach, we appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. We're back. Hour number two, Sports Nightly here on a Wednesday night. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us here tonight. Big hour coming up. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic is going to be along to talk some Oscar footballs and get ready to travel to Penn State over the weekend to take on the Buckeyes in the opening game of the 2020 season. And then later in the hour, our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle, will be here to talk about the World Series. The Dodgers win last night 8-3, game two about ready to get underway. But let's start the hour and talk some Huskers and none better to do that than Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Good evening. How, how are you? Everything good in your world? Things are are well, Greg. How are you? Good. Looking forward to this. Are you are you at all surprised we've we've gotten to this point? Was there doubt in your mind several months ago that we would see any Husker football for a while? Never had a doubt. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some doubt. Uh, there was there was doubt in in March, and then there was a lot more doubt in in July and August and September, but. You know, we made it through. Uh, seemingly, we got seven Big Ten games on the on the docket Friday and Saturday. Uh, no word of any of any uh, bad numbers yet. So every every hour that we get closer to kickoff on on Friday night in, in Madison and on on Saturday and in Columbus and other places is uh, no news is good news. So uh, looking forward to seeing a game in person this week, as as I know you are too. How much do these two schools? have to do that the fact that this is happening yeah they have a lot to do with it um you know i think scott frost was was up front about that on monday and, and i wrote a story that'll be on the athletic tomorrow with with scott dockerman and help from some of our other big 10 writers scott covers iowa um just uh, about the process and the fact that the big 10 has actually arrived at this moment where we are about to play football and in looking back at how it was achieved Nebraska and Ohio State are the, the, the two biggest uh, actors in, in allowing the Big Ten to get to this point and helping and propelling the Big Ten. And Iowa played a role, too, with its president voting yes back in, in early August, along with Nebraska, leaders from Nebraska and Ohio State. But then the real vocal 
participants, as you know, were, were Nebraska. And ultimately, uh, as Scott Frost said, and I, I agree, when, when Ohio State got vocal about it, when Ryan Day started to make comments that sounded a lot like what we heard from Scott Frost several weeks earlier, their voices, as I wrote uh, tomorrow, today for, for to publish tomorrow, the Ohio State voices, they echo very loudly in the Big mm-hmm. Ten hallways. And uh, we saw the result of that with, with the league going back to the drawing board. Of course, encouraged by advancements in, in testing and some other things, but I, I don't think with, without what Ohio State did and, and certainly what Nebraska did to help spur them along, we would be at this moment where we're playing football here in October. Visiting with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic here on Sports Nightly. Huskers and Buckeyes set to play at 11 o'clock Central on Saturday. You mentioned Scott Frost made those comments at the press conference on Monday. He also revealed who the starting quarterback was, and that's Adrian Martinez. Did that surprise you at all? No, I I thought Martinez would get the call. Um, Clearly, he's faced more of a challenge than what some of us expected going into camp. I, I was of the belief when spring practice was essentially canceled, they got two practices in, never put on the pads in the spring, that Luke McCaffrey had primarily lost his opportunity to overtake Adrian. If that was going to happen in 2020, he needed to have a great spring and then capitalize on that energy all through the summer. It's hard to take the job away from a two-year starter. Um, you know, And I think we saw some things in the offseason – that lent credence to, to that in, in Noah Vedral leaving. You know, he was kind of facing the same situation where if he was going to step up and be able to have a chance to challenge Adrian and take the job, it was going to have to happen in, or at least start in the spring. And when he didn't get that opportunity, he decided to look elsewhere and, and, and you know, landed at Rutgers in the end. So, yeah, I was surprised that we heard a lot of the stuff that we did through this month about how – how close that battle was, how competitive it was, how much McCaffrey was pushing Martinez. But in the end, I think Scott Frost and, and Matt Lubick and Mario Verduzco in making that choice, they were they had to go and have to. But it was it was a uh, the right call. Um, it was a smart call to go with experience. Martinez has started twice against these Buckeyes. He started twice and had some success against Wisconsin, who the Huskers will see next week on Halloween. So. Um, you, you, you do that, and um, you, you probably put yourself in a less dangerous spot than than, the, than what would have been a risk in going with, with McCaffrey. He would have had to really, really win that job without any kind of doubt, I think, in order to be named the starter here in week one. Mitch Sherman, again, our guest here on Sports Sportsline. Give me a couple of things that you're anxious to see Saturday. Are there some positions, some individual players that you're anxious to to observe what what's what's what what are you going into this thing looking for i mean it's all over the field it's been almost 11 months since we've seen these guys play and there's a number of players who are coming back from injury or who who have made great strides according to coaches so i mean you can go through every position group and say yeah i'm anxious to see that I'll, you know i'll give you a couple uh ronald tompkins Mm-hmm. probably at or close to the top of my list. And you know, I, know, I know Diedrich Mills is going to be the workhorse for this offense, but he's going to need help. He's definitely going to need help on Saturday. If Nebraska is going to move the ball and score a lot of points on Ohio State and, and be able to stay in this game, you're going to have to score points to stay in this game. It's not going to be a 17-14 to 14 game. If Nebraska's in it, it's, it's in, the, you know, in the 30s for sure, if not, if not more, not higher. 
um, they're going to need more than Dedrick Mills to be able to to produce from that running back spot. And as we learned this week, Ronald Tompkins is the number two guy going into this game. That's intriguing because it's been so long since he's been consistently able to stay on a football field and be healthy and, and produce. You have to go back to his sophomore year. Uh, in in suburban Atlanta to find a time when he was consistently healthy. So has he arrived at that at that position now? Perhaps. And if he has, you know, what kind of a player does Nebraska have here? This was a guy before those injuries in high school who was getting attention from Georgia and Alabama and the power programs in the SEC, and they shied away because of his knees. But Nebraska seems to have, um, you know, obviously Nebraska did stick with him. Um, they seem to have, have reaped the reward if, if he is, in fact, healthy. So um, what kind of a player is he going to be for Nebraska this year? And, and you know, how, how much damage can he do against, a, obviously, a very talented defense on the other side, you can look all over, but you know I'll go with Deontay Williams because of how much was expected from him a year ago in August, and then for him to go down with an injury in the first half of that first game against South Alabama, you know it was deflating for the for the defense. It was deflating for the secondary. Um, and, you know, now he's back, and he's an old veteran guy, older, experienced veteran guy. Uh, running around back there in the secondary. And when when we've heard from him this year, I've just been impressed with, with his mentality, his attitude. I think he's a, he's a, a very valuable leader for Nebraska, not just in the secondary, but all over the defense and his role from that, from a safety spot is going to, is going to loom large for, for that defense. I think everyone Mitch would, would agree that this is a huge task for Nebraska Saturday on the road a team that most people feel is a top five team. We'll see. Maybe, maybe they're not, but I think going in, everybody feels like they're going to be. This is about as big an underdog as I can ever remember Nebraska being. The day would be a success if what happened for Nebraska. Obviously a win, but outside of a win, if you, you play them close, show some promise, what what would you think the fans would go, okay, that, that was all right. Well, we didn't win, but we sure, we sure put up a fight. That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I know Scott Frost is, and those coaches are, are, are not going to be happy with, with being competitive. Uh, they're not going to be happy with anything that would resemble a moral victory. Um, I, I think for Nebraska to look like it belongs on the field with Ohio State, um, to be competitive and, and, and to, to stay in this game, you know, Frost joked or, I mean, he was serious, but he said on, on Monday that, Nebraska managed to stay in the game, stay competitive in the game last year for about five minutes, and that's not that's not what what they want to see. That's not what they can see and walk away in any way being happy. I mean, this can't be a a thirty five to seven game at halftime and then have the Huskers claw back in the second half and get within three scores and say, hey, we only lost by by twenty four. They 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 if they're going to lose by twenty four and I'm not saying they will, I mean, maybe it's a much closer game. Um, but if, it, if it's going to get out of hand at all and get close to that, that point spread, you're much better off if you're Nebraska, if, if you keep it, if you keep it respectable, keep it close for the first half, you know, don't come out and get your doors blown off right away. Like happened a year ago in Lincoln or very, or very quickly things got out of hand and, and it, hap- it can happen. Ohio state does it to a lot of teams. The one time, that Nebraska started to get some momentum in that game, switch some things up on offense. Just a little mistake, a tip pass here, and, and you see an interception, and things like that can be so deflating. So I would just say 
stay in the game. You know, give yourself a chance when you go into the locker room at halftime to feel good about yourself and come back out and have an opportunity to be competitive in the second half. If that happens, there are going to be good things to take away from, from, from that game. Yeah, and, and that two years ago when Nebraska played there and lost by five and had the lead at half, even though you walked out and go, God, that was a, and that was a winnable game. Nebraska needed to make one or two more plays in the fourth quarter, and they would have won that game. Uh, but you didn't feel awful because you felt like, wow, that was a top-10 team we just took to the wire in their place. What about the lack of fans and the lack of a home field advantage? Shouldn't that level the field for every game in the Big Ten this year? Shouldn't it make it I – mean, every game should be pretty – it's almost like neutral site each week. Yeah, I mean, I think it will come down to the teams that are better prepared – to uh, light their own fire, um, bring their own juice, as Eric Shenander has, yeah. has mentioned a few times for Nebraska this preseason. It, you know, it's not, there is no home field advantage. I mean, maybe you feel a little more comfortable in your own locker room, sleeping in your own bed the night before a game, or your own, you know, normal hotel that you go to. I don't know, is Nebraska going to go to a hotel like they usually do when they're at home? That'll be a question to ask next week. Maybe they'll yeah. want to stay in their, in their, in their own, their own rooms, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see any kind of advantage, a real discernible advantage. Nothing like what is normal when you, when you uh, play a home game in front of ninety thousand people at Memorial Stadium, or when Ohio State plays a game in front of a hundred thousand. I think it's just going to come down to what team is better prepared to be able to create their own energy, because um, it's going to be weird for anybody in the Big Ten or any major co- college football team to play in front of an empty stadium. It's going to be weird to, to be there and watch it, and it's going to be really weird to be there and, and be a participant in that game. Well, uh, last year when, when that game ended here in Lincoln, uh, that was one of the best college football teams I had seen in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were that good. I really felt like they were going to get Clemson. I don't think they would have beat LSU, but I thought they were, would beat Clemson, and then Wade got mm-hmm. tossed on the targeting I don't know that Ohio State's mm-hmm. is good. I, maybe you've had conversations with some of your counterparts. They lost an awful lot. They lost two top five picks off the defense in the draft. I don't know if they have that. I'm sure they're really, really good, but I don't know if they're quite that good. I want to ask you before I let you go, uh, you've started a new podcast, right? You you mentioned Scott Doctorman earlier. What What's this all about? I, I saw you tweeting about this earlier today. Right. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, we've got the big the, the big football show. Uh, that is on every morning. Um, we're doing something similar with our SEC writers. So I'm hosting every every Wednesday. Show was on this morning on Apple, Spotify, on the Athletic app. Uh, Scott and I will will uh, focus on the Big Ten West, but cover whatever stories there there are out there around the league. So it's a good uh, good way to uh, um, fill up your commute. 25, 25 30 minutes uh, every day. Uh, tomorrow is our, our, our Michigan crew, Colton Pouncey and Austin Meek, who cover Michigan State and Michigan. We'll have a, we'll have a, a different pair on there every day of the week. So, yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun to uh, to get together and tape last night with with Scott, and we'll have uh, we'll have all kinds of storylines to go through every week. It's like a, a little bit of Black Friday uh, for your listening every uh, Wednesday morning. So Wednesday, you're set on Wednesdays. That's the day that it drops, right? We will be doing it every uh, taping every Wednesday morning or Tuesday night to drop on Wednesday morning, yes. Fantastic. We'll look forward to that. Scott's a, a great guy. We've had him on the show in the past as well. All right, travel safe. Your first trip to the shoe. I wish you could experience full bore, but uh, it's still a pretty cool place to watch football. Absolutely. You do the same. We'll uh, see you either there or, uh, or back home. Sounds good. Thanks, Mitch. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic with us here on Sports Online tonight. We're back, Sports Nightly here 
On a Wednesday night, World Series underway. Still one nothing. Rays with the lead after one. Dodgers win last night 8-3. to three. And the guy who has all the ins and outs of this is our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle. His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, the World Series got underway last night. Convincing Dodger win. Are they your pick to win this thing? Yeah, they, they've been my pick probably since the beginning, to be honest with you, Greg. I, I just think they're a really complete team. Uh, every year I seem to think that maybe they don't have the starting pitching that everybody else thinks, and then you, you figure out they they maybe don't in some respects, but they, they certainly have the arms they need to, to make it work. I mean, um, Clayton Kershaw has been his best self for the most part this postseason. I know maybe he wasn't as good at times in the NLCS, but I saw him deal a gem against the Brewers, and and he was really good last night in game one of the World Series. And, and then after him, you, you still have a lot of really talented arms. They're young arms, but they're great. I mean, Walker Buehler, really talented. If he can keep that blister under control, that's as good a starting pitcher as there is right now. And then I, I love Dustin May. I think he's going to be a really big-time arm for them in the future. And Tony Gonsolin is going to get the ball tonight. I mean, they just have a lot of arms. Um, and a lot of young arms after Kershaw, and you didn't know how those were all going to hold up, but um, they, they have more arms than I thought they did at the beginning of this season, and the lineup's been every bit as good as we thought it would be. And Let's be honest, it's a really fun team to watch. Whether you like the Dodgers or you don't like the Dodgers, how can you not have fun watching Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger and Corey Seager do the things that they've been doing in this postseason? I didn't think they were playing very well in the earlier rounds, but boy, when they hit game five against the Braves and took it through last night as well, seems like they finally kind of found their rhythm a little bit. Well, I, yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, they certainly game five on, they've been great. They've won four in a row in the postseason. I, I thought they were pretty good in the early rounds. They, they, they swept the Brewers and pitched it really well in that series. They took care of the Padres in pretty good fashion. Um, and I thought that the Brave series would be a really good one. To me, those were the two best teams in the National League this year. Uh, the Braves are a really complete baseball team, too. And, and I thought that would be a back-and-forth series that would have a lot of drama in it. And I think it's one of the better – honestly, it's, it's, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Brewers and Dodgers series in 18 that went seven games that was very back-and-forth and had a lot of different storylines in it. Uh, I thought the Braves series with them was very similar to that. But I, I still think – um, it's 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 just it's hard to find a lineup as complete as this one because it has the superstars that we already mentioned, but it has the guys like Max Muncie and Justin Turner. Justin Turner's so underappreciated, in my opinion. I mean, I love watching that guy play, and they just all plug into these pieces. Will Smith's going to be a really big time catcher for a long time in baseball. It's just a complete complete lineup, and they have these guys that they can run out there for, for different platoon situations. Kike Hernandez, Chris Taylor. Um, they're just, they're loaded up. They really are. All right. Uh, TV ratings look like they've been okay. I know game one wasn't a, a, a great TV number, but I would think baseball's happy with what they've seen through some of these postseason numbers, weren't, aren't they? I, I would think so. I, I think we all saw the number the other day that Game 7 of the NLCS outdrew the entire NBA Finals, not collectively, but any one game of the NBA Finals. I think that's a, 
that's a win. Uh, baseball will take that, certainly. And I, I think that you'll see this series, if the Rays can make it interesting, I think this series will do well. Look, you're, you're, you're always going to be a little bit at the mercy of the markets that are in the World Series. I hate that because I'm a sports fan. I don't care what city these teams are from. I'm going to watch it regardless. But to draw in those extra eyes, you do need a little bit of the hometown flavor. And the Dodgers certainly draw that. But the Rays aren't going to draw extra eyes, unfortunately. They're a good story. They're a great story. Dick Vitale loves them. But the rest of the country doesn't know that many guys on the Rays team, probably. I mean, Randy Rosarena has carried this team this year. Um, but I don't know that they have a ton of superstars that everybody knows as household names, like the Dodgers do. So that's probably not going to bring a bunch of extra eyes. It's going to be baseball fans. It's going to be sports fans, and it's going to be Dodgers fans, which is worth a lot, and then a small number of Rays fans. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the ratings the rest of the way, but I think overall they've been good. Baseball has to be happy with it, and I think that's going to be the storyline coming out of this is do we go to the expanded postseason permanently because I think the financially it's going to be worth it to baseball to really consider it, and Rob Manfred's already kind of signaled that he might like to see this stick around as well. You mentioned Arozarena. I believe he was in a, the Cardinals system, and, and they traded him away. Uh, we talked last week about Tatis, who was in the White Sox chain. You know, sometimes these trades who don't – we don't know the names that get traded end up being superstars. I mean, I think this shows, you know, sometimes we don't pay enough attention to some of these deals that don't catch a lot of headlines – but there's some really talented guys that flip organizations young in their career, aren't there? Yeah, well, and the Tatis trade is going to go down as one of the most lopsided trades ever. <laughs> um, you know, when you talk about Brock for Brolio, um, I, I think Tatis for Shields is going to be very similar. Um, nobody really knew that much about Tatis when he was in the White Sox system other than he was Fernando's kid. He wasn't expected to be this guy. Um, he, he's, he's a generational talent. I mean, he is going to be a superstar in Major League Baseball for a long time. If he stays healthy, he's a Hall of Famer. That's how good he is, and it's very early to be saying things like that. But I, I, I don't know if we appreciate how talented he is. Um, I, I don't think we appreciate how good Mike Trout is, to be honest with you. Mike Trout's on, on Mount Rushmore right now of all-time baseball greats. I mean, that's where he's at. He is one of the five greatest players to ever play this game. And um, I don't know if Tatis is going to be at that point, but I think he's going to be a generational talent that we're talking about for a long, long time. And so that was a really lopsided trade. I, the the Rosarena trade, um, you know, he's had an unbelievable postseason, and he's a really good player. I, I don't think I'm ready to put him career arc-wise on the same level as I would, of course, Fernando Tatis and what I think he's going to accomplish at some point over the course of his career. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, one quick thing about the Astros. Uh, I mean, they got bounced, and but they put up a heck of a fight against Tampa. What did you make of the job that Dusty Baker did? I mean, he inherited a pretty messy situation. What what is What is Dusty's MO around the league? What do people think of Dusty Baker? He's beloved. People love Dusty Baker. He's a great baseball man. He, I think a lot of people were cheering against the Astros, but then cheering for Dusty at the same time because they want to see him get a ring. And, and I, he's beloved. He's very respected. I thought he did a great job. That's a tough situation. He had some superstars that were underperforming 
all the distractions that were going along with it, and he navigated them into the postseason and then had them a game away from getting back to the World Series again. And remember, he doesn't have Justin Verlander, doesn't have Garrett Cole anymore. That would have been an incredible job if he would have gotten them back to the World Series. And I think a lot of people would love to see Dusty get one before it's all said and done. But he's beloved. Uh, people everywhere have a lot of respect for Dusty Baker and the baseball man that he is. All right. Well, we probably will have just one more segment with you before we give you the rest of the winter off. I know you got a lot of things going on. Has your weather turned yet up there in Milwaukee? Hey, we had 58 and sunny today. It was Ooh. it was a good fall day in Milwaukee. Um, we're supposed to get maybe close to 70 tomorrow with some rain, but I there's been, we had seven inches of snow in Eau Claire last night too. So it's <laughs> it's in the it's in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's in the neighborhood. All right, enjoy the rest of the series. We'll chat again next Wednesday. That sounds good, Greg. Thanks. It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Josh Elkerman. Sold. And Austin Orman. Here we are, another week of Buy Sell. I was not here last week, and that was good because I had a terrible, terrible performance and fell way behind, <laughs> almost into Tim, Tim range. Not quite. Tim's still bringing up the rear, but I'm working hard to get back and uh, fight for last place. So. Can't let that caboose catch you. I, <laughs> I'm trying hard. We'll see if I. We'll see how things went in our answers this week, but I. I don't know. It was pretty disappointing, I'll say that. Man, yeah, that's a downer I, to start whew, the hour. I, but you guys all did well last week. That's why it was so disappointing, okay. because everybody did really well. <laughs> and then I did really bad. But this week might be different, so let's check the answers. And we'll start with a question that I asked a couple of weeks ago on October 7th about Major League Baseball playoffs. I asked by ourselves that there would be at least two shutouts between the next day's Major League Baseball games and the end of the championship series, ALCS and NLCS. The answer was a sell. There was just one. It's funny. The Braves actually shut out the Marlins 7-0 the next day on October 8th. Yeah, the 8th. next day. And then there were five different times over the couple of weeks that a team was held to one run, but there was not another wow. shutout. So mm. the answer was a sell, and everybody but Austin and I sold it. And we're right. Austin and I got it wrong. That's wild. Five wow. one-run games. I was uh, – the funny thing is, is that, like, I did not forget about that question. Every single game that I watched, I was cheering for a shutout. And there were a couple <laughs> of times where I got deep in the game and I was like, okay, this is, the, this is it. Like, this is the time. And I knew I just needed one for it to be a buy. And I knew that most everybody else sold it. So I was like, here's a chance for me to make up ground. Make up one. Nope. Bummer. Not good. It's a razor-thin margin of error in the game of baseball. Got to turn Austin thin. on for us, Bob. Austin, there can't hear you. Shout louder. All right, sorry. It's a razor-thin margin of error in the game of baseball, a razor-thin margin of error in the game of buy or sell as well. Yeah, that's true. All right, so the second question we have an answer to was a Tim College football question from just last week. He asked us if we would buy or sell that in at least one of last weekend's SEC matchups, there would be a game with over 1,000 combined yards of total offense. The correct answer was a sell. The closest answer or the closest game to that mark was Georgia Alabama, 978 yards. Ooh, that's oh close. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so close. Right there between oh, the tie of the dogs. The so we split down the middle on this one at 50 50. 
You three, Greg, Ben, and Josh, all sold and were correct. The other half bought. Okay. I can't well, believe it was that close. It was super either. close. And here's the thing, too. That, that was the only one that was close. I think the next closest was barely in the 700s. So there were not very many high, high offensive games. Yeah. Tim's Tim's prediction of Mississippi State just didn't, didn't happen. No, that was not, <laughs> not close at all. So sorry, Tim. Um, moving on <laughs> to our next answer coming from... Ben, Major League Baseball question, by ourselves that the Dodgers would come back and win the NLCS or Jose Altuve would commit at least one more error in the remaining postseason games. That was a buy. L.A. took care of that by winning the NLCS. It's funny. Altuve actually didn't commit another error the rest he of didn't. that series. Yeah, so. he hit a homer, too. He sure did. Yeah. He turned things around. <laughs> it was a little too little too late, but uh, it was a buy to that question, and everybody got it right except for Ben and Tim. Sorry, Ben, you're in Tim category here. I thought Tim the Bra- I thought the Braves would maybe somehow Hang on. win the series, and they almost did, but yeah, they should have, but they didn't. All right, another MLB question. This one from Brett. He asked, "Buy or sell that the Houston Astros would either lose Game Four of the ALCS by two or more, or that they would win Game Four by at least four runs?" The correct answer to that was a sell because they won by only one run, four to three. Everyone got that one right with a sell. Thanks, Good Brent. team. Yay, team. Yeah, way to go, boys. We all did it. Good for us. <laughs> Even you, Tim. Way to go, Tim. Way to not take the bait. Man. Uh, Brett, actually, for a while, he was the toughest question asker, but the new king of toughest questions is Austin. So, Austin. Pat on the back uh, to him. Brett lost his crown. He did. And... Greg, you're actually coming for Ben's crown for the easiest question easiest asker. Easiest ones, I know. Yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> wrap up our That's answers. That's a crown I'll gladly pass off, by the way. I'm yeah. I need to shed that title. Here's here's a reason why it's a lot closer, Greg, because you asked a Major League Baseball question that asked, would the Atlanta Braves be the World Series champions? That was a sell because they lost to the Dodgers in the NLCS. Everybody yeah. sold that, and everybody got it right. I don't like their chances of winning this series. Tim doubled down and said that the Rays would win it. We're not going to give him a bonus point anyway. No. So He'll be wrong anyway. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's, he, he will be wrong, so I can – yep. But he still got the one point for it. Anyway, Greg, you you had the perfect week. You were 5 of 5, so congrats. Uh, ben, Brett, and myself, all 4 for 5. So I'll take it. Definitely take that. Didn't make up any ground and even lost ground to Greg, but still solid week. And then Austin and Tim, three of five. Above 500, but hey. I hit my average. I was three out of five. I'm 60% on the year. So yeah, I'm I was right going to say, I feel like as a, as a group, this is the best percentage we've done. We've, we've had somebody <laughs> well below the, the 40 line before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm um, surprised we only had five answers. I know. I, I was, too. There, there are a couple that will be answered next week that, are, that right. we've been sitting on for a while. So I can tease that. There's a few college okay. football ones and things like that that we will find an answer to next week. But now we get into our our questions for this week. I'm in control this week. That's right, Ben. Take control. I'm number one. <laughs> Technically, I don't know. Maybe I should start making these opens say that the hosts of them be who's – Well, you're still – you guys still oh, walk yeah, us through with the answers. That's true. That. You're tabulating all the – Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really, the only, the only duty that we have – is we read the extra questions. That's true. It. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Good point. All right, here we go, boys. Buy or sell that Nebraska returns a kickoff past midfield before Thanksgiving. 
Hmm. Before Thanksgiving. So Black Friday's game is not it. So you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, five games. I'm going to sell it. You got to prove it to me that you can do it. I'm selling. Ben is selling. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. Usually those big returns come against one of your non-conference opponents. It's much harder to do it in league play. So, unfortunately, I'm going to sell it too. Ooh, do I go? I mean, all it takes is one. It takes one. And, all- hey, it could even be an onside kick. That's it could be. True. It could be anything. It could be a pooch kick. I don't know if you're trying to bait me or what, but I, I'm just throwing out scenarios. <laughs> but that you know you might what? Like, I'd have thought of. I know. And that's what I'm saying is like all it takes is one time. Like all it takes is one time to break one. And it doesn't so need many, to be a touchdown. How many games is that? Five. Five, five, games? five games. I'll buy it. Why not? That's a lot of. Hopefully, a lot of kick. Well, hopefully not it's a through, lot of kickoff returns. It's but, through yeah. the <laughs> Illinois game, right? The Illinois game's the last one. Yeah. Right. All right, Austin. So. Is this midfield or further, or is midfield a push? Well, the, you I'll can't give it have to pushes. You. Yeah, there's I'll no. give it to you on the 50. If it's on the 50. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll buy as well. I'll, I'll even call my shot and say it's Wandale. All right. I like that. I like that. Um, All right. Greg next. Yeah, Greg, Greg you go okay. next. Okay. This is a Husker football one as well. Do you buy or sell that six or more Huskers catch a pass on Saturday? Hmm. So six uh, different Huskers. Yes. I'm going to. <laughs> well, my question stumping me. I'm like, that's probably that's about right question. where it's going to be. Um, here's a here's a clarification. Can that be a defensive player, like in an interception count, or are you talking no. offensive? Offense. <laughs> Just catch a pass from a Husker player. Got it. All right. I I'm gonna sell it, and I don't know that I feel great about that, but. Yeah, I'm trying to go through the guys in my head who I think could catch a pass. I'm buying it. I'll give you the six I think it's going to be. Good. That'll help me. Cade Warner, Wandale Robinson, Levi Falk, Diedrich Mills, Ronald Tompkins, and Jack Stoll. How many is that? Do you get to eight? That's that's right at six. That's right at six. I don't know. I'll Josh made me mad by saying that my questions are so easy. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention I did not mention Alante Brown or Travis Vokalek or Austin Allen either. It's true; those are all guys that could catch passes. Or Xavier Betts. Or Xavier. Or Betts. Wyatt Lever. You know what? I've already wrote down my answer as a sell, but I didn't say it on the air yet, so I'm going to buy. It. I'm going to switch it. No tattling here if you would have switched it, but I'll buy it as well. As I ran through the names, I think six is going to be right about it. It might be seven right, but I think it's a buy. Very good. All right, I think it's my turn, correct? Oh, uh, yeah, you go ahead. All right. my uh, It's funny. You guys both had Husker football ones. Austin actually hinted at me that he had at least one Husker football one. I actually didn't even think about that. I don't know why that didn't enter into my head to come up with it, but I'm glad I didn't. I, I switched it up a little bit. My first one comes from the NFL here. Buy or sell that the Broncos, Jets, or Jaguars win this week. They're playing the Chiefs, Bills, and Chargers, heavy underdogs in all those games. Whoa, read that one to me again. Buy or sell the... that the Broncos, Jets, or Jaguars win this week. 
Broncos have the Chiefs. The Jets have Jets. the Bills. Jaguars have the Chargers. The So the, the lines that I looked at earlier, it was the Chiefs favored by 9.5 over the Broncos, Bills by 13 over the Jets, and the Chargers were, I think, 8-point favorites over the Jaguars. So 8 is the closest that you're going to get. But you have three chances, so... All you need is one of those one of those teams to win. Are you buying or selling, Josh? I am selling. Austin? Yeah, I'll sell as well. I, I, I will note that I think the line of 9.5 for Chiefs-Broncos is pretty high, especially if there's going to be snow. But I still think the Chiefs get it done. They won in the snow against Denver last year, so I think all three favorites win. It's a sell. Yeah, that forecast is miserable in Denver on Sunday. I like the Jets by a thousand. Do you? Over the Bills. You're buying. Okay. I'm selling. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I don't. Yeah. I'm. I am. I am hard selling this question. All right. Hard sell. Greg. Uh, it's tempting, yeah. isn't it? It's like all you need Minch- is one. You just need. You just need some Minshew mania. That's it. And, and they're the, mad. They're upset with him right now. It's the NFL too, so I feel like it's possible. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. It is. But I'm gonna sell. Okay. All right, Austin. Clean sweep for the sellers. All right, I will take us back to Husker football here. Question number one for me for you guys is, buy or sell that Adrian Martinez is the leading passer, Diedrich Mills is the leading rusher, and Wandale Robinson is the leading receiver for Nebraska football this season? (laughs) This season, not just this week. Correct. (laughs) I'm going to buy it. I really am. I think they stay healthy. I think all three of them have good years. So name those guys off again. Adrian, the leading passer for the season. Diedrich, the leading rusher for the season. Wandale, the leading receiver for the season. Mm. You're buying. I'm going to sell that. I just feel like injuries, somebody could pop up that we're not thinking of or that we are thinking of. I don't know. I feel like there's two. This is like one of those combo questions. This is not just an and. It's an and and. You're parlaying three different parts that I don't. If you just gave me one of those, I would have to think about it. But you're telling me three of them have to hit. That's tough. I'm with you, Josh. I'm going to sell it, too, just because you're right. There's so many variables that could do that. Those are all three of the odds-on favorite. I get that. But, I, I yeah, I'm going to sell it. Man. Oh, man. That's. <laughs> I'm going to sell it, too. I'm least confident in, in Wandale, probably. And not that I'm not confident, not confident in him. But dedicating a whole season to this new role, none of us know exactly what that's going to look like. I think he's going to be the most targeted receiver in terms of the defense of who they circle every week and try and take him away. Didn't stab KD from leading the Huskers for a couple years. Can I pop in here with a a quick stat? Austin Austin has asked or has had seven questions answered so far since we've been playing this edition of Buy Sell. On his own questions, he has only gotten one answer right. So he's one of seven. Oh, my goodness. 14%. (laughs) So I feel pretty good about the way this question went that the three of us will get it right and he'll get it wrong. But. Know thyself is not something I've taken to heart. <laughs> right. All right, so we'll give Tim's question here. Yeah, I want some Tim Please action. Here, here's some Tim action. 
buy or sell that the winner of the NFC East wins more than five games? Oh, that's good. The NFC East wins more. That's such a brutal division. My gosh. It's a t- <laughs> terrible. Did I see win- s- see or hear somewhere that the winner could have as few as three wins? Is that yes. accurate? Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> so if five's a, would five be a buy? No. You need six. It, oh, whoa. Oh, more no way. Than yeah. sell. 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 More than five games. Sell. You set the sell. you set the line at the wrong spot there, Tim. We you I had think, a set five. I think I saw something that uh, not quite a it's some type of saber metric that that ranks it out. That's not the FPI. It was something like that with the NFL that that predicted the Eagles to win the division with five wins. And remember, right. they do have a tie. Yep. Right. True. That's a good point. Yeah. If he if if five was a buy, then I think we would all make or if flip he, or it. if he just said nine losses. I mean, he didn't. Even, right. I mean, if he went the other way and said losses, the tie would count. But he didn't. I'm gonna sell it. Yeah. Everybody's selling. Yeah. All right. Here's my next question. Good. Also NFL, buy or sell, Antonio Brown scores a touchdown in the NFL regular season this year. Yeah, aren't Keep the Seahawks sniffing on him? The Adam Schefter report that he will have his suspension lifted week eight, halfway through the season, and he has suitors such as Seattle and others, according to reports. Hmm. Then what are you doing? I'm selling it. I hate the guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell it, too, because last year, didn't he try? He dipped his toe with the Patriots, and that didn't work, and they ran him off. He scored I mean, with the Patriots, though. It's true. That's all it takes is one. Like, he could play one game, score a touchdown, then get run off. Like, that's all. It would still be a bye. Man, I don't know. Who are the teams you said were interested in him? Like, I'm just trying to uh, think. Seattle was the only team that's named, but they, the, Schefter is reporting that others are – Oh, interested. How is there a timeline to this? Like, I'm trying to think. The regular like, season. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, how, well, his, how okay, interested so, are they? Th- well, think about this. So his suspension is lifted week eight. Yeah. So I would assume he's, if he's not on a roster by week 10, he's not going to be on one. Right. Um, and, and it, I mean, I'm just if trying the Seahawks to are already out there as interested before suspension's lifted, I think they're pretty interested. Yeah, I'm going to buy it. I think that <laughs> why not? Because here, here's the deal. If, he, if his suspension, let's, let's say today they announced the lifting of his suspension and he was a free agent. Yeah. Then you would have to go through the entire process of getting worked out getting you know like getting looked at and then signing the contract where if there's teams already interested now before he even works out i think that's yeah right. trending, no trending what kind in the of right shape direction. he's in yeah but i he's just so talented that like i think if he takes the field for one game there's a decent chance he scores a touchdown i i think it would take more than one game for him to get one i think seattle would give him the best chance to score a touchdown but i also think well, that seattle receiving core is Pretty good. I, I don't know say, how much they would need yeah. him. So. He better not be taking points away from DK Metcalf. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll do a sell, but it's like a 55-45 sell. Okay. I can take that. I can accept that. Well, Ben, I helped out your, your you did. ratio a little and, bit. And Tim's going to buy it. Yeah, you know he's going <laughs> to buy it. He's all over those kinds of questions for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm up next. It's a, yeah. it's a Big Ten football question. Buy or sell that one of the underdogs in the Big Ten wins this weekend? 
Just one of the underdogs? Yes. And? I'm going to buy it. Yeah. To give you, to give you the lines, uh, Michigan is favored by three over Minnesota. Iowa's favored by three over Purdue. And the other close one is Penn State's favored by six and a half over Indiana. Then you have some bigger spreads. I would honestly even think about it if you had said two. Like, I would even still consider I debated some. whether to go to two. I know. That would probably – I probably would have sold it, but – Give me the ghosts. I'll buy. I think I think Minnesota pulls it off with questions for Michigan at quarterback, a new new Ooh. one. So I'll take the ghosts. Throw the boat, Skyuma. They haven't been Ooh. doing anything this offseason. <laughs> but I'm still buying. And it's not them, but I'll buy it. Got Calling it. your shot? I'll say the Hoosiers. I'm Ooh. kinda I'm kinda all in on Indiana right now. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's just talking to Zach Osterman last week or whatever it was. That has me excited, but I'm in. I'm in on IU. All right. Well, we had like a million Major League Baseball answers, but I'm going to ask another question. We haven't had one a question yet, so I'll go to Major League Baseball here. Buy or sell that the World Series goes exactly six games or a team wins by nine or more runs in any of the remaining games, including tonight. So either or six-game series six or, or nine. nine or more run spread. I would love to see the Vegas odds right now of what the series would be. Like, what's 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 the best chances, according to Vegas, of the series? You know what I mean? Yeah. Of, of how many Well, games a lot of it's going to depend on what happens tonight. I think if Tampa wins tonight, that six would be the odds-on favorite if – Los Angeles wins tonight. I would guess five games would be the favorite, but. What are you doing, Josh? I am buying. Give me two chances for anything like this. I'm all in. Hmm. Whoops. Uh, I, I don't think the nine part is going to happen. I think neither. Well, I mean, I know Los Angeles hit for eight runs last night, but I think the pitching's too good on both sides to get a nine-run spread. Behind a closed mic, I've been saying Dodgers in six, so I guess to stay true to myself, I will will buy a six-game series. So you're saying you don't know thyself, but you stay true to thyself. I, I'm going to start working on knowing myself. Yes. I feel like we could start teaching philosophy sure. here on Sports Nightly. I think Austin and Tim would be great for that. Like They kind of have that. We can the, philosophize. The yin to one's yang. Right. <laughs> Salt maybe maybe it's a new segment, something I'm going to buy it, too. Give me the six games. Sure. I did not think everybody was going to buy this. I, I've been saying Dodgers in six, so i gotta, I've got I got to follow Holy it. Holy smokes. <laughs> I thought it was going to be different. Uh, Do you believe in miracles? Well, now Brett, Brett and Tim don't answer these questions until after we're done. So they're going to get on here and be like, they bought that, and then they're going to sell it, and then they're going to be right, and then we're going to look dumb. So that's the way it's going to go. No reneging now. All right, back to college football. For me, specifically, Woo-hoo. Nebraska football. Buy or sell that Nebraska makes at least 75% of its field goals and averages at least 41 yards per punt this season. You know what Greg's doing? Parlay. Yes, there is an and in there. So I had I had three ands tonight, four five parts to my questions. <laughs> but, uh, Typical Austin fashion. Typical. How many answers can we cram into one question? <laughs> as many as possible. No, no fewer than eleven. But you're like I'm, Oprah. You're like Oprah. You get an answer, and you get an answer. 
I, I, I embrace my role, and I'm going to buy it. I have faith wow. in the Nebraska special teams bouncing back in, if not a, a massive way, a, a good enough way to get to 75% and 41 yards of boot. Austin's buying it, so that means I'm selling it for two reasons. Good call. Because Austin's terrible at his questions, and it's a parlay. <laughs> so this is an easy sell. Yeah, I'm selling. I, we already wrote down Greg's answer. It's a sell, so. Indeed. <laughs> Not hard to figure that one out. All right, we're on to Brett. Yep. Yes. The last one. Oh, God. Bring us home, Brett. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Buy or sell that there will be at least 20 goals scored in the seven Premier League games Saturday and Sunday. Man. I, I, I'll admit I have not been following the Premier League since they started back up. Shame they had, what, you. like a one-week break? dare you? A one-week break in between their seasons. Josh, this is called Sports Nightly. You need to stay up with all yeah, the sports, okay? It's true. <laughs> Well, 20 would be what? Austin, you can do some quick it's math under for three. Me. It's just, just under three. three. 20 goals in seven about games. About an average of it's about a two-to-one score per game. But a little less than that. Right. A little bit less than that. You can have. You could probably have one 1-1 one, one draw in there. Right. I'll, they call it ties. I love goal scoring in soccer, so go goals, buy it. I will, I will do Josh one better and say that I haven't been following the Premier League since I was born, not even just since it restarted. <laughs> Fair. So you can charge me with the same sports nightly, pay attention to everything. But uh, I'm going to sell. Give me the under. I, I never root for defense on this show. <laughs> <laughs> We're ripping nets all weekend, baby. <laughs> Fair enough. Great. I'm a, I'm a buy. Wow. <laughs> I'm a bye. Man. I wonder we if we gotta find Austin a Premier League team. Austin, you're now a fan of Tottingham. Or yeah, Tottingham. <laughs> I will work on that for, for next week's edition. I'll come back with a team. Crystal Palace. Yeah. I have always thought that was a cool name, but they're not very good, so Do I buy a jersey or is it do I buy a kit? Is that what they call a them? Kit. Yeah. A kit, yeah. Uh, just talk to Tim. He's a big EPL fan. Oh, He's a Everton. Tim. He's an Everton fan. So yeah, the next time you see Tim. Be like, Tim, talk about Everton and the rest of the Premier League, and he'll give you everything you need to know. <laughs> I've got my homework. Uh, oh, goodness. Did, I, did everybody great. get included? Did, do I do yeah. my job correctly? Yeah, great job. Great, great work. work. 100%. I have a feel, uh, it seems to me like we didn't have any questions where we disagree. We're all kind of like falling in line. That seem right? Well, and that's why I felt like I was yeah, yeah. going off on a limb a couple times when I was different from the crowd. So 